What is up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. The music for today's show is provided by Misha Zarin, so many thanks to Misha. I strongly encourage people to check out their local food bank to see how they can help, as food banks like Ozark's Food Harvest here in my town are helping families overcome food insecurity, which is a problem we need to solve. I also invite you to check me out on social media. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, find me at The Walk Show or The Walk Show Pod. All of those links are in the show notes. This week, we are joined by Nate Garrison of The Extraordinary Podcast, who's here to talk about 12 Rules for Life, which is a book written by Jordan Peterson. I recently listened to the audiobook, and I absolutely loved it. Nate is also a huge fan of Jordan Peterson and 12 Rules for Life. As always, I had an absolute blast talking to Nate. Nate has also made a very generous offer for the listener at the end of the episode, so please be sure to stick around to hear that. You can always check out Nate's show, The Extraordinary Podcast, on any podcast platform or at 8keystogreat.com, which is in the show notes. Let's get over to it. Welcome to The Walk Show Podcast. Nate Garrison, thank you so much for joining. How are you doing tonight, man? Great, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for joining. Um, so you were actually on my show before, and we talked a little bit about 12 Rules uh, for Life, a book by Jordan Peterson. And um, at some point we were talking, it might have been on that same show, but we were talking about, you said that you would be willing to come and come back and talk to me about that. Absolutely. And I took you up on that instantly. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's why we're here is to talk about 12 rules for life by Jordan Peterson. Um, man, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really glad that, cause it was actually your suggestion that really pushed me to, to pick this up. Um, I mean, I've heard about it. I'm a fan of Jordan Peterson. I've watched him on like Joe Rogan and seen some of his stuff on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know anyone that had read the book and, and was just kind of, you know, I don't know, just wasn't really on my radar. And then you were like, oh, man, you've got to you've got to check it out. And so I did. And and yeah, it's excellent. It's such a great read. I'm so glad that you suggest. Well, I say read. I listen to the audiobook, but it's such a great listen. <laughs> yeah, it's not the easiest thing to pick up if you haven't read in a while. Mm -hmm. So um, for those who aren't regular readers, the audiobook's definitely a, a well, I think the audiobook's a great way to go about it anyway i mean his stuff it just relates in that format really well yeah well and he he reads the audiobook so it's his voice which i i i like jordan peterson's voice but beyond that he is so specific with his language yeah and his emphasis that i was glad that it was him because i knew the emphasis i was getting was appropriate if that makes sense oh without question yeah like that's one of the things that uh, to this day is one of his most appealing factors for me is his precise use of language and mm -hmm. being very specific in the words that he selects and chooses and uh it's yeah. a thing of beauty man yeah i so i want to jump into the book and really i mean the, the, the book again is 12 rules for life so there's 12 chapters each one of them is a rule we'll just kind of you know go through the, the different rules but before i get into it into that i do want to just preface a little bit because Jordan Peterson is someone that for whatever reason has become this like contentious figure, at least in some circles, you could say. Um, and I frankly do not understand why after watching all of the interviews and then this book specifically catches some criticism. Like if you go Google 12 rules for life, I mean, sure you'll see plenty of good stuff about it, but you will find some people that are like, Oh, this is, this is drivel and this is not, you know, this is not good and you should not read this. And I just, 
I have to push back that I do not understand that sentiment at all. And and I promise we are not going to make this a political podcast at all. But I will. Ju- I just want to say I'm not someone who is a conservative person. And Jordan Peterson is actually someone who really helped illuminate conservative ideas for for me in a way that I hadn't heard them before. That was like, oh, oh, that makes a ton of sense. And not that it it shifted my thinking entirely as much as that it, it, it legitimized it for me in a way that was like, it didn't seem crazy, right? It seemed like, oh, that makes perfect sense that someone would think of it that way. Maybe I don't agree, but I get it. And so I say that because Frankly, it is largely left-leaning media outlets that that bash Jordan Peterson, and I I'm explaining all this because again I'm not some I'm I don't watch Fox News right like I'm not that guy, but I'm here to tell people who well, also for the record neither was Jordan Peterson right you know, that's right what, fascinating like he was a devout socialist for much of his early career that's what's so ironic about the whole thing right well and I just want to say to anyone who who may be listening that maybe thinks that you know oh well jordan peterson's not for me or oh i've heard about him he's all right or something i'm telling you i am not any i don't agree with almost any of that stuff and this is none of that stuff this guy it's not about it's politics. not politics at all no yeah. no and, and again i'm not trying to turn this into a political conversation or or any yeah. of that the point just being that like open your mind because this is if you if you pigeonhole this into oh well that's only for a, a for person who votes a certain type of way I'm telling you to get over yourself because this is it's fascinating and it's a it's a, a great it's a great book. And honestly, I feel that way about it, all of Jordan Peterson stuff. I've never come across something Jordan Peterson that I thought wasn't legit. So yeah. anyway, but, soapbox over. I just <laughs> I had to get that out. That's actually a great way to dive right into the book. Um, the, I, you ask why he's so controversial. And I think there are two aspects that that bring people to dislike him or to say bad things about it, try to bash his name or whatever the case may be. The first and foremost is the identity politics issue that he kind of became known for out of the gate. That was his first soiree into public life, if you will, or into the, into the public spotlight. And he was simply defending a, a constitutional right to free speech. It right. didn't have anything to do with gender politics, but yeah, folks that are about gender politics made it about that. So I think that was the first thing that kind of got people thinking or, or at least trying to expose or trying to make him appear under a certain light. Uh, But the, but the second piece of that, and I think this is how it kind of jumps right into the book is that the, this book is about like accountability. It's about like the anti-socialist, mentality and so when you have this mentality of the downtrodden or someone who's been beaten down who feels unjust or feels uh displaced if you will this is kind of counterintuitive to that so i think that folks with that agenda folks that are very much in the limelight right now uh when they're when that kind of an issue is exposed for what it is then it 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 makes people want to rebel against it and that's what his book does. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of uh, you're right, the identity politics stuff. And, and then there's a lot of accusations of him being sexist um, or or the book being targeted for men. I do think that there are some segments that are, are clearly I mean, he the language is written towards young men or young boys or that kind of thing. But it in no way is is 
is exclusionary um and it's it's not about trying to it's not trying to say like men act this way because they're men period or women act this way because they're women period. Like none of that is in there. So either way, I, I don't mean to soapbox forever. I just wanted to say for anyone that might, might be like, uh, I don't think this is for me. I, I think you're wrong. And I, and I don't say that a lot cause I I'm wrong most of the time, <laughs> but I'm telling you on this one, I'm willing, I'm willing to go to bat for yeah. it. Because well, what I do like it. about this is, um, I, I have yet to see you. You can dislike Jordan Peterson. You can not like what he has to say. You can mm-hmm. um, you can want to go against or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, I've had I've yet to hear anyone disprove any right. argument that he's brought to the table. Right. Until I hear someone do that, I'll continue to be a, a huge supporter and fan. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah. So we'll just jump right in uh, with rule one, which is stand up straight with your shoulders back. Um, it's funny because this is actually the one chapter, the, the very first thing he does is talk about hierarchies, the lobster story. Yeah. And that is turned into some weird meme thing. That's like evidence of him being, I don't know, anti certain groups. And it's like, again, none of that (laughs) makes any sense if you read or listen to it. Like, um, but yeah, so he, he he talks, you know, the lobster thing, he, he goes in and talks about how lobsters have a societal, a social hierarchy among them, themselves. And the point is not that, like, everyone has a place in the hierarchy, so accept your place and take it and shut up. The point is that hierarchies exist at the most fundamental levels of nature, such as lobsters. So whether they're fair or ideal or any of that, is kind of out the window because they exist. So now we have to deal with them, whether we like them or not, the hierarchies are there. So how are we going to negotiate that? Um, They've been around for a hundred million years. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's not just the product of culture or it's not just the product of advertising or the media or whatever other thing. It's like, this is a very, not just human thing, but to some extent, like biological life, thing (laughs) where hierarchies exist absolutely Um, but yeah so i mean by all means i don't mean to just to just railroad there so what what was your thoughts on the on the chapter well i mean that 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 was actually the only notes i had for that one because it's such a it's such a prominent story just talking about the lobster story but i think i mean it just applies to um there again like this is i think where you see it maybe slanted towards young men because the idea is to stand up straight with your shoulders back and, and when you do that, what do you do? You expose yourself. You're opening yourself up to the world. You're saying, here I am. You're exposing the weak spots. You're not protect- right. in protective mode. You know, so for young men going into adulthood, that's a real big thing. That's a, that's a, I mean, if you think about all cultures, we almost all cultures have some sort of tradition or something where boys become men, you know, for, if you're Jewish, it's going through your bar mitzvah. If you're uh, in some native cultures, like there's one native culture, like where they like jump off of these like bamboo bungee rope things that are like 
like ropes tied to their uh, ankles and they jump towards the ground and like other ones they have like they put these fire ant gloves on and they have to sit there and take it uh i mean obviously they're not all to that extreme but a lot all cultures for like for my faith it's uh for young men it's about going on a mission going and serving two years and a lot of times in a foreign country learning a new language and and dedicating your life to service of god or whatever so there's a lot of these types of things and so i think this chapter resonates with young men and that it's about having that experience going through that transition yeah i think so i think that it also applies again though i would i would argue that it applies universally because for me it's and i really like the idea that you brought up about how it's about being vulnerable and I think that that's true for all people, though, and, and really in all walks of life, whether or not it's transitioning into adulthood or not. I mean, if someone if someone asked uh, either one of us, hey, you know, I want to start a podcast. How should I go about it and whatever? I mean, yeah, we'd have some tips for him. But at the end of the day, we're going to tell him like, hey, man, you know, chin up, shoulders back, get on the mic and do it. And you're probably going to suck, but you're going to have to be vulnerable to that in order to get any better in order to grow right so it's so true. It, it's it's a lesson that applies across the board for all people and um you know something else that i'm not going to do a good job at all of referencing throughout this but is a reason that people should still go listen to or read the book and to be clear i get paid nothing by, by jordan peterson so i'm not hawking it for for that purpose um he does such an excellent job of going and using historical references, biblical references, um, sometimes stories from other religions around the world. A, a lot of it is biblical references, but it's not, it's not, uh, or like in this case, you know, a deep lesson. It's not in biology. religious. Exactly. It's not spiritual or religious at all. It's looking at it from a very intellectual perspective, which man, I can't, talk about how much I appreciated that. Like I loved how it dove into all that because I'm not someone who's a Christian, but I went to a Christian junior high school. Right. So I, I, I was for a brief time really, really heavily involved in that. And I have, well, you're familiar with the nomenclature. Yeah. And I have an understanding of the Bible and I've, I've gone to church on a regular basis for a period of time. Now it's been a long time since I have, and, and there was a period where I, 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 I rejected all of that really, really, really ferociously. And then in the last few years, I've, I've kind of come back to a more centered position on it where I, you know, I'm, I'm not either way. And so to have him be able to kind of explain like, look, you can believe whatever you want to believe on a spiritual level, but intellectually, here is the value of these stories and intellectually here's why this matters and why it's existed for at least 2000 years is because this is the lesson it conveys. And it was like, Hey, you know what? There's a ton of credit in that. And I, I really, really respected that. Well, it's a story of morals at the end of the day. It's, it's, it's laying a moral foundation and some of these moral principles. And one of the references in the book that it talks about is that the English common law and, Mm. and how, you know, a lot of, what's in there is based on some basic moral principles and some moral guidelines that again, just like the lobster story, they hold up over time. They're sustainable. Right. And I'm, Hey, anytime that you can use the Bible as a reference source resource, I think is brilliant. And that's exactly what he's done a remarkable job at. Yeah, no, yeah, he does. He does a great job of explaining why the story relates to modern life. Um, 
and again, it, and not about salvation or anything with that, but just simply about how it applies to this life right now. Um, but yeah, really, really thought it was awesome. Um, well, before we move on to the next one, anything else you wanted to say about stand up straight and with your shoulders back? I think we nailed it pretty good. Okay. Uh, next rule is treat yourself like somebody you are responsible for helping. I, I absolutely loved the way that that was positioned. Um, one of, you know, over the last year, and I've talked about this previously on the show, but over the last year, you know, I've done a lot of personal development and a lot of work, frankly, just on, on me and probably the most powerful lesson that I've learned over the last year. And there's been many, <laughs> but mm. uh, probably the biggest one is, is learning how to not, and it sounds so corny when I say it now, but how to not be mean to myself. Like before I would, I would set out on, on a mission to do something and I might fall short. And the in, instant reaction I had was to just demonize myself and like, well, this is cause you're this way, or this is cause this is the kind of person you are. You don't know how to be this kind of person or you don't really want it, or you don't really love yourself. Or, and it's like learning how to get past all of that has been so, so powerful for me. And and so like earlier this year, you know, I work with a life coach and we'd come up with an affirmation for me that was, uh, I, I, I give myself space and I apply the golden rule to myself. Right. So instead of treat others, how you want to be treated, like treat me, how I want to be treated. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I thought that the way he positioned this be, treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping was an even more powerful way of saying, of trying to explain how to be empathetic for yourself. Um, you know, he uses examples about how people take care, better care of their pets than they do themselves, which is completely true. You know yeah. what I mean? And well, here's what I was thinking about as because that that one was one of the things that came up in my mind. And I was thinking about what if you treated yourself the way you treated your dog? Right. What What if you really honestly and truly you know, when you walk through the front door, you treat like your dog treats you great. When you're when you walk right. through the front door, your dog's wagging his tail. He's glad to see you. But but like, what do you do for your dog? You're feeding him treats. You're letting him lay on the couch. You're you know stroking his belly. You know, <laughs> if my wife would treat me like my dog, I mean, I would be in heaven. You know, it's like that's legit, right? Dude, I saw I saw a, a friend of mine posted on social media recently that she was like, my husband legit just walked in the front door. Walk straight past me. I'm sitting on the couch. <laughs> and walk straight to the dog and grabbed the dog by the face, told it how cute it was, and then kissed it and then went in the other room. Like, where am I? And I was like, wow, that is that's hilarious. I mean, she was being funny, but there's some truth to it. And right. and that's about their relationship. But again, like about the relationship with yourself, man. So couldn't true, be man. more spot on. Couldn't be more spot on. Um well, and the the note that I had written down for this one was that um, was the the Nietzsche quote that uh, he whose life has any why can bear almost any how, and I think it kind of goes back to the first chapter when it's talking about standing up straight, put your chest back, and and pushing forward and exposing yourself, starting ugly. You're like you're putting yourself out there. Well, right. in order to be able to do that, now you have to give yourself permission. And that's, yep. I think, what this chapter is about, giving yourself permission, telling yourself it's okay to stick your neck out. It's okay to fail. And I think that when you have a reason, like, like, if you, like if this podcast had to make money tomorrow 
or else you were out on the street without a place to sleep and or food on your back, you know, food to eat or clothes on your back, whatever, you would go to some pretty extreme lengths to figure out a way to make that podcast work. You know, when your kid is starving or, or you know, when, when my baby needs a new pair of shoes, you know, you're willing to take that extra step. You're willing to work that extra hour. You're willing to put in that extra effort. And I think that, you know, recognizing that you have worth and, and, and having a vision and having some kind of purpose in your life then allows yourself to have that self-love, allows yourself to put your, to move forward, to put yourself out there, to do all these things that are so important for our overall growth, you know? Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent agree with that. Um, I, I, yeah, that's something that I've talked about a lot in my, I don't know how much on the show, but certainly in my personal life, it, you know, the, the, the why, uh, which is also could, you could insert the belief in there in place of the word why, or you could put faith in there. Like I was watching an interview with this NBA player named Pat Beverly, who's he's been in the league for probably eight years. So he's a vet. I mean, he belongs, but he's not a star. If you don't watch the NBA all the time, you don't know who I'm talking about. Um, he's six one. He's scrappy. He's a defender. He's not a scorer. Um, and someone and in the interview they said how how would you what would you tell someone who wants to get where you are who's like you who's not Shaquille O'Neal right who's not Michael Jordan and he said it's gonna sound overly simplistic man but it's it's faith and hard work and I love that that's what he said because and 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 I love that he used he said it in that order because to your point you know just like that Nietzsche quote like if the faith or the belief or the why is there then the next step is the hard work but the hard work is enabled by the faith or the why or the belief, right? Like the hard work isn't, I mean, it might be hard, but there's not really a question as to whether or not you're going to do it. If the belief or the why is strong enough. Um, well, that's what I think. Like for me, it's like this endurance sports mentality. It's so mm. critical because, it, and there's a quote, I forget who said it, but like right at the point where you're ready to give up is at the point, that's the point someone else has been waiting and preparing for yeah. And that's the point they're ready to keep going and really push it and really take it to the next level. So every yeah. time that you feel like you're ready to quit and you're ready to give up and it's too hard, just know that there's somebody else that's been waiting for that moment. Right. And, and if you can be the person that, and that's where I, I think a lot of these little habits and having the bigger plan, a lot of the principles that I preach on my show, uh, they all come to fruition you know, through this process. move on to rule three um make friends with people who want the best for you yeah so oh go ahead man well so the 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 quote that i've been uh really focused on lately that's a perfect alignment with this is by jim rowan another Mm -hmm. guy i'm a huge fan of uh you don't have to really read his stuff you can find him on youtube as well but it's uh you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with yeah 
yeah, I, 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 it's funny. I just had another guy on my podcast here lately that, uh, that, that, <laughs> so he said Jim Rowan and I thought he was saying Jim Rome, who's a sports commentator guy, right, right. Kind of an asshole Rome is like, burning or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, Jim Rome is dropping insight. No, no, no. Wrong no, no, he's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't, anyway, he's not an idiot. He's actually a fun, pretty funny I, guy. Yeah, I'm I, not a big sports dude, but I know I, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And I don't, if we can hate on Jim Rome on this show. And that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yes, I, I like that statement a lot as well. The, the, the average of the five people that you're, 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 you're surrounding yourself with. Um, and I, I actually, I kind of took it a, a step further in, in my thoughts on this one. Um, because that's a sentiment that is, is, I don't want to say common, but the idea of, of in business or in, uh, we'll say the realm of achievement, whether that be in business or whatever, it's not, it, it's not a new idea that like, Hey, if you're trying to go somewhere, you need to surround yourself with people that either know how to get there or have been there before, or also at least trying to go there. And that all makes a, a million percent sense. So I'm not, I'm not discounting that at all, but I like that. It says make friends with people who want the best for you. Because it's also it's also true that sometimes you're going to have friends and relationships with people that are not in any way tied to the thing that you're trying to accomplish or the goal that you have. And I don't think that it means that there can't be good value in a relationship that's not directly tied to the thing you're trying to achieve. I think that it's important, though, to, to understand that the, the real criteria is do they want the best for you, regardless of why what other context brings them into your life. The fact that the underlying sentiment is, do they want the best for you? Um, I think it's really important. And I think it sounds obvious to be said out loud, but man, there's a lot of people who don't, <laughs> who don't participate in that. You know what I mean? There's a follow-up quote. That's actually great. If I can pull it up. It's, yeah. Well, it's not, it doesn't really have, it's not a follow-up quote to this, but it's another one that kind of works with that. It's something to the fact that, uh, those who want the best, those who don't want the best from you, for you, are always doing worse than you. Those who always want the best from you are always doing better than you. Right. Or something right. to that effect. I'm kind right. of I can't find the exact. No, that makes, I mean, it's the crap it bucket thing though, right? Like when you're the one trying to get out of the bucket, you've got people that maybe will pull you back down into it. But when you're around people who are already out of the bucket, they're like, yeah, come on, get out of there. Let's go. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that makes sense. Um, well, and the other aspect that they talked about kind of toward, I, my, did my voice just crack? Oh my God. <laughs> <I'm at> 13. <laughs> um, but um, so one of the things he talks about in this chapter is, is that um, all good will be attacked and that all good must be defended mm-hmm. and that the ideal, the statue of David, if you will, uh, it's a double-edged sword because it, it represents, you know, all the good things, all that, but it's also, it sets a standard, you know, and, and that, that must be lived up to. So if you're going to associate with those high caliber people, if you're going to be in that realm, then you have to step up your game. You have to ask more of yourself. You have to expect more of yourself. You have to be willing to take yourself to that next level. Well, I mean, that just ties back to the very first thing that that we were chatting about uh, that you mentioned when we were talking about why people, you know, have have maybe been opposed to some of this is it's accountability. 
that's exactly. what that is, is it's group accountability, right? It's, it's the group is going to say, Hey, you can't be a part of this group if you're going to act that way. Uh, or well, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, and there's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of power in that. I mean, I played team sports growing up and that was a thing on the teams I played on. I mean, there were certain things that if you did or said or acted a certain way, people are going to come to you and be like, Hey man. And, and we're kids. We don't even have the power to kick one another off a team, <laughs> but, but they can ostracize you at least. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, if you want to be in the group, this is where the group's at. So, um, Obviously, that can also go in dangerous ways, <laughs> but assuming it's positive, I think that it's a, a, a good, powerful thing. Yeah, sure. um, next rule, and, and this one I thought was was hugely important. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Man, I'll tell you, that one resonates with me. I, you know, here I am doing a podcast for nearly two years now, and despite what I thought might happen when I started, which was that I might be Joe Rogan number two. Uh, <laughs> that is not what's happened. <laughs> right. And we all right. Right. But, um, you know, that's something I, that I've, and, and certainly, you know, at this stage, it's, it's not as, as common that I, I have those concerns, but you know, there's times where I'll think, man, you know, where am I at and, and, and how am I growing the show and how's the show doing? And am I doing it right? And, and I'll, I'll start thinking about other podcasts and not just Joe Rogan, but other podcasters that I know that are maybe doing even just a little better than I am. And it's not jealousy. Like I'm never mad at them, um, but it doesn't really matter because I'm not them. Right. And so to the point of the rule, I've got to bring it back to, okay, but where am I compared to where I, I was a year ago or six months ago or two months ago? And, and that's really the measuring stick, not where Nate Garrison was two years ago. Yeah. You know and, I mean? and, 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 and am I getting better at what I'm doing? Like, am I improving? Uh, I'll give you two, I'll give two great examples. Once I get to call out a buddy of mine and then I'll call myself out for this one. This is great. So uh, our, I'm not sure if you've had the opportunity to interview him yet or not, but our buddy Ben Hardy, Benjamin mm. Hardy, he's got a new book that just came out with Dan Sullivan. And um, he just put a thing out on Facebook and he's putting up blasts and all the emails and everything. It's like, hey, my book is tracking better than Matthew McConaughey's new book that just came out. Blah, blah, blah. And so I called him out. I sent him a little reply. And I said, hey, man, you know, and maybe <laughs> you know, just a thought, but maybe you should say this book is outperforming my last one as opposed to how it's performing even if it is a you know stupid celebrity whatever maybe that might be a little bit better approach and, and he came back and was like you know you've got a point there but right you might be on something so so that was where me calling That's him funny. Out i want to throw that out there but so <laughs> and in the same vein calling myself out um i was i was into this game right out about a year or so the podcast world and you know and i, I mean you know we we work really hard and i think the what we put together, you and I, the type of podcast we have has some depth and some texture and some, it's not just uh real housewives of Atlanta, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's something I'd like to think we, we have something more to offer than that. Right. And I, but I also have some very dear friends and they're lovely ladies. And I went to high school with them and about a year after I got into the thing, they reached out and said, Hey, they're going to do a podcast and that's that and the other. And, we, we spoke over the phone and gave them some advice and tips. And I'm thinking, I know what I'm talking about. And, you know, let me show you guys how to do it. And right. they got their thing launched and got going. And, man, within like two or three months, 
they smoked me out of the water. Man, they were getting spots. I mean, they're literally blowing up. And what makes it so bad is it might as well be the Real Housewives of, of L.A. or whatever. It's so stupid. It's all just topical nonsense. There's no rhyme or reason. They're half right. the time they're getting drunk. You know, it's just like it's so stupid. And, and, and I love them to death. And for what it's worth, it's welcome to the fam pod uh, or welcome to the fam podcast welcome to the family podcast be sure to check them out it's they are hilarious for what it's worth they're a bunch of beautiful little blonde ladies and they're sure. so funny and they're great and i love them to death but man it just killed me to see them just right. explode out of the gate and here i am just put it along you know acting like i knew what i was talking about or whatever so yep that's my little tidbit I, there so i get it man i get it now it's uh it, it's it's a it's a but it's again, it's a it's a great it's a great rule, and and I already mentioned the the historical stuff and the biblical stuff that he talks about. But th that's the thing that again I, I don't think I'm going to be able to convey well enough in this discussion is that you know these rules that he has, we're going to talk about them in a very kind of layman sense, um, and they're 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 they are easily digestible, and you might hear them and think like, oh well okay, that's a, a self-help book or that's a personal development book. And those are the 12 rules. And I heard it, you know, you can go Google it and see the list and like, okay, I get it. I'm telling you, you don't, uh, because the, the amount of thought <laughs> that this guy has put in to de defining these ideas and explaining, because none of these ideas are his, they're all ideas that have been around in human history for a long time. And he goes back and exposes where it, those things are originate from and, and well, why. they're primal at the end of the day. Yeah. They're, they're, they, right. And I think that that's why this book has sold as well as it has is because it's like a, a modern, it, it, what it's doing is it's explaining why the Bible works. It's explaining yeah. why the Bible has held up as long as it has. It's not trying to convince you to worship the Bible. It's not trying to convince you that, that you need to be, even be a Christian. It's right. just say, look, these are the them's the facts, you know. Well, and I mean, like them if you don't. <laughs> I mean, here's the deal. So I've, you know, I grown grown up in in Southwest Missouri, which is known as the Bible Belt. Um, so Christianity and the Bible here is is dare I say can be jammed down a person's throat, right? Um, but if I was to encounter a Buddhist, right, or a Hindu, or a Muslim, any religion really other than Christianity, I I'm not a member of that faith and I know nothing about it, but I would be intrigued. And I, and I'm sure there is lessons that come out of all those religions where I would be like, wow, that's really deep. Or, wow. That's really insightful. Well, the truth is, is that why wouldn't Christianity be in the same category? It is right. But because of my life and my own experiences and where I live, I'd kind of put up this wall against seeing it in the same way that I would see other religions that I'm also not a part of. Isn't that, that ironic? Well, and it is, and it's something I've been consciously aware of and didn't like. And I was so glad that this book really kind of helped me dispel all of that. And now understand that like, even if this isn't going to be my religion, now I can see the just objective value that is contained within this, this text again, in the same way that I would for any of the other world's religions that I respect while not maybe joining, if that makes yeah. sense. Uh, it makes perfect sense. Well, what Jordan Peterson does a brilliant job of, like for those of you who don't know Jordan Peterson, if you're trying to learn more about 
the reason why this resonates so much with Walker is because what Jordan Peterson does is he takes a story and what I, what I really what first attracted to me about Jordan Peterson was how he did it with Disney stories, Disney mm. movies. And he takes this theme, this story, and he breaks it down as to why it works, why the story holds up, why the story of Adam and Eve works, why the story of uh, what's the, 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 um, the Lion King. But you know, using the Disney metaphor, like there's a, there's a reason why the Lion King holds up and it's right. the same. A lot of the same principles are why the story of Cain and Abel hold up. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny that I said Cain and Abel when you were going to talk about the Lion King, which is the, <laughs> the same kind of dynamic, right? It's right like, exactly. well, and so if you want to go explore Jordan Peterson, go to YouTube and go check out some of the, the ways that he breaks down some of these stories. And I, I meant to give this update on Jordan Peterson as a person before we even got started. But, you know, for what it's worth, he's been going through some tremendous health issues over the past year. And thankfully, he's finally seeing some light at the end of the tunnel and his poor family. I mean, what they've gone through over the decades is really tough to deal with. But this past year in particular, he himself has gone through some real struggles, but he's back now. And the next series that he's going to be putting out on YouTube, or at least this is what he talked about on his latest update, is that it's going to be about the Psalms in the Bible. And he's going to spend a whole series of YouTube lectures, if you will, about all the different Psalms within the Bible. So, uh, and, and he's already got several b- biblical uh classes that you can really observe now hmm, yeah yeah no he's got a ton of content i yeah i highly suggest looking up jordan peterson on youtube um and yeah the disney story thing is a great point and, and it's something he does in the book too in this book he does talk about some disney stories and that sort of stuff and, and explain because the truth is is you know something that people will use to try and discredit not just the bible but a variety of religious texts is this story is not unique to this book, right? Like this story is also in this other book. So now, and it's like, yeah, but that's because the story, the, the, the moral, right. Or the premise mm-hmm. of the story that actually does hold up and it is independent of religion really. You know what I mean? Like it's just a moral truth. Um, and so it's been around for a really long time. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. Well, and one of the primal, aspects that he points out in in this chapter in particular that i really liked and it's a little metaphorical is the idea of aiming and that we as animals as human beings we are trained to hunt to aim to take sight at something to Mm -hmm. focus on it go after it hunt it kill it bring it home for dinner and that metaphorically in life now as a as as cultured human beings are evolved humans or whatever now we still have to have an aim we still it's not necessarily shooting of food but we still need to have that focus that something to shoot for that goal that something to propel us forward it's fundamental yep yeah no agree 100 percent um we'll move on to rule five so this one I'll just, I'll read the rule first. The rule is do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. <laughs> so when I came to this chapter, I was like, I was like, I mean, I guess I'll listen to it. Cause I'm not going to skip through parts of the book, but I'm not a parent. 
Um, so I don't know how much this will really mean to me. And it turned out that this was probably my favorite chapter in the book. Um, well, it applies I, to a whole lot more than just kids. <laughs> it does. Well, and also I had just never even really thought about parenting, which again is because I've never had to, um, but I had never really thought about parenting in the way that he explains at least a facet of it. Not that it's the entirety of it, but that like as a parent, your role is to prepare your child to be a part of society. And so if your kid is, you know, throwing the tantrum and being a nightmare, yeah, it's uncomfortable for you. And maybe it's a little embarrassing at the store, but if you don't figure out how to help them not do that and they get older and do that, they're going to have problems like legit problems. And depending on how old and how violent <laughs> these outbursts get, they could actually destroy their own lives. And so it's like, and obviously that doesn't just apply to small children that applies to all people and ourselves. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, anyway, but you are a parent. So please, please share your insights or what you, you thought of, of this chapter. Yeah. As a father of five, this one was, <laughs> it sealed the deal for me for sure. And, and as a proud parent, someone who yeah. takes a lot of pride in being a good parent, um, this re this chapter just so resonated with me. Um, what, one of the aspects I liked about it is, you know, as a parent, we're trying to help them get, we're trying to push them out of the nest, if you will. And, yeah. and, and what does an eagle do when they're pushing that eaglet out of the nest? Well, you know, they let them fall, you know, and they swoop in at the last second and they don't die or they bounce or whatever, but they literally, you know, push them into a life or death kind of situation. Well, what I like the idea of a parent is and what he talks about in the book is or in this chapter is giving them just enough of an opportunity to be successful, to, to, to like, to try just hard enough to get a little win, you know, to, to give them just a little bit of risk, just a little bit of freedom, just a little bit of responsibility and let them work their way into it. And when you give them those little opportunities, then they grow along the way and eventually they get to that point where they're ready to get out of the house and to move on now. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you that if you do your job right, which knock on wood, I, I feel like my two oldest, I have done a pretty good job with them when they leave the house, they don't come back. Right. And, that, and that's great because you don't want them to be 30 living in your basement. But now as a dad that has two that are out of the house, like, I miss them. <laughs> I wish they'd come around a little more often, man. It's did you like, visit more often? <laughs> I did such a good job. They're so independent. They're off there doing their own thing. And <laughs> now they never come back, man. And I miss them and I hate it. But, uh, you know, that's, that is part of it too. It's right. part of the cycle. But yeah, no, I thought it was an awesome, awesome chapter. Um, and it, you know, it, it's, it, to me, it kind of, it ties back into some of the other things we've already talked about, about, you know, being friends with people who want the best for you. And again, yeah, he's talking about parenting, but again, I don't have kids, so I can't apply it in that way. But it's like, I mean, to me, the, the, the most easy example of it is, is like maybe being the friend that'll tell someone that they've got a lettuce in their teeth kind of thing. Right. I mean, obviously a really, really simple innocuous example, but just this idea of like, Hey, like I'm like, I'm going to help you be a better part of society not just for us, but so that you will fit in better with other people. And again, obviously that matters a lot more with smaller children and that sort of thing. But 
it can i think it can apply to friendships yeah know? well there's actually a couple of different aspects of this chapter that apply to adulthood i want to talk to but uh or speak yeah. to but before we leave the childhood aspect of it the other part that i want to just as a parent giving my two cents worth of yeah. parenting advice um you know one of the aspects i like is is disciplining disciplining as little as necessary but still being firm and letting them know that there are boundaries and the biggest aspect that i seem to think that is missing where we tend to lose as parents is we need to understand that like a lot of these things i talked about before it's like it's in a little endurance event mm. and you have to know that you can outlast that child you can have more patience and it really doesn't even take that much but like we tend to blow up and we lose it and we want to explode and you know and the, and the kid wins but if we can have the patience and know that we can outlast them it's like the old you know sitting at the dinner table going to clean your plate before you get to get up from the table and you're going to sit there long enough and it's going to be miserable you know how many people have that story and, and 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 in their memory bank like that is a defining moment characteristic in their mind there's probably millions of people that have that memory did any child on the face of this earth ever starve to death or be neglected because they didn't finish that one meal and had to sit that one time for that one experience no there was never any real negative outcome for it but how many people created this long-term lasting memory that has stuck with them for decades by going through that one moment and right. having that one time where you're just like i'm just gonna outlast you i'm just gonna make i'm just gonna make you sit through this you're gonna go through the experience you're gonna learn from it and that's a character defining moment and i feel like we as parents have lost those character defining moments like that right right yeah, well, something that, that really resonated with me in it is because is he, he – that really kind of I applied pretty broadly um, is this notion that, like, children are these innocent balls of light that <laughs> if they were not influenced by these corrupt adult humans – that they would just spread love and joy throughout the world. And that would be – that throughout their whole lives, that's all they would do. And it's, it's like, no, like, that's not true. Like, like a two-year-old kid will hit his mom in the face. Like every kid will do that. And that's not because he's trying to spread love. It's because he's trying to see if he can dominate his mom. Right. Testing and boundaries. Yeah. Testing his tyranny as you know, testing and, his tyranny. I like that. That's right. And, and I think that, and so then I started thinking about it and, and, and you know, Peterson says this, I don't know if it's in the same chapter, it probably is, but it's like, you know, we treat a lot of things like, like the default state is good. And if it goes bad, it's because that was sought out. And it's like, it's the opposite. The default state is chaos. The default state is bad. It only gets good by seeking out the good by seeking out the thing that, 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 that doesn't make it bad anymore. But, but so, you know, like the idea of anxiety, like, and again, I think he says this specifically, um, but it's like to not be anxious is not the default. Anxiety is the default. The world is crazy. The sky is falling. Like everything could go wrong to not be anxious. That is the thing that you have to carve out. And so I, it almost just made me start thinking, and again, I'm not a mental health professional, so please throw stones. Um, but like 
do people really get afflicted with anxiety and depression or anxiety and depression already there and people lose track of how to mitigate those things does that make sense like no yeah it does well I, yeah. I think of it from from that perspective of like, again, when you have that why, when you have that bigger thing, it allows you to not pay so much attention to all those different distractions and whatnot. But I, but I think that the way that this rule applies to adults is really comes down to like, you have to do the hard things. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to like, just like you have to enforce these rules and standards on your child and and let them know these certain boundaries well you have to do that we were talking about all this how it applies to ourselves and that that self-application well we have to do that for ourselves too we have to do the hard things we have to establish the boundaries we have to set the limitations we have to treat ourselves like an adult or whatever you know to to be able to grow to be able to to have the success to be able if you want to be that shining example you got to put in the hard work that goes with it yeah yeah no i think that's i think that that's an excellent point um i also you know this is something and i'm off the rails here a little bit but something i've also thought about a lot lately is that it's interesting to me and i'm guilty of this a million percent um so again i don't come from the mountain to to say these things but i i think that it's interesting how i can frame something as being hard when the truth is is that the other outcome is way harder like is it hard to have an uncomfortable conversation with your child sure but if you never do and the child grows up and ends up in prison that's harder Mm. than a hard conversation right like like if if i'll you know for myself i've been on this you know weight loss thing here for a while now is it harder to turn down the unhealthy food choice or is it truly harder to continue living in a way that I'm unhappy with? Right. And feeling a way that I'm not happy with, like that's harder, right? Like I might've fooled myself into thinking that this choice in this moment is harder, but it's not the other outcome is really what's harder, but it's, it's hard. Again, I, I I use I and me, it's hard for people and at least myself to see that sometimes, you know, to make that distinction about what really is harder. What are we really talking about here? I have a great quote that I just posted the other day. Um, and I stole this from somebody. I don't remember where I got it, but it's marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Mm. Choose your heart. Obesity is hard. Being fit is hard. Choose your heart. Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your heart. Communication's hard. Not communicating is hard. Choose your heart. Life will never be easy. It'll always be hard. But we can choose our heart. So pick wisely. Yeah, no, I, I saw when you posted that, man, and that is great. I'm really glad that you shared that. Um, and it, it, it goes back to the thing you were talking about from the last chapter, I believe, which is the it's the aim thing, right? It's in aiming is really about intention. And it's, it's this idea that like what you just said, like you're going to find a challenge one way or the other. So the, the best we can do is to try and at least set our own intention to what that's going to look like. You know what I mean? Because it's going to be there one way or the other. Well, and I think that's what gets lost in a lot of the social justice issues is that we, we think that some, some folks want to have the mentality of that, that other people have it easier. Well, Everybody has it hard. Everybody is suffering from something. 
and right. every and every person that the the philosophy that I like to live by is that every person that you come across is suffering some kind of inexplicable horrible thing that you know nothing about, right. or or they just have recently gotten over it, or they're about to experience it. Yep. So you know, keep that in mind when you're out there ready to cast stones and ready to cut the guy off at work and. Uh, you know, or, or cut the guy off on in the road that you know that's driving like a jerk or whatever. It's like that guy's probably going through something. And for me, it's always like I'm a road rager, man. I have no patience for people on the road, and it's something I'm really, I've really struggled and tried to work hard on improving. And so now it's like the mentality that I try to constantly have is, well, what's that guy going through? that's got him in such a hurry. Maybe he's late for his kid's soccer game. Maybe he's late for a job that he's going to get fired from if he doesn't make it to. You know, there's, there's some reason that that guy is in such a hurry. If you're not in a hurry, then get out of his way. Let him go do his thing, you know, and don't be a jerk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think there's a lot of value in that. And this, you know, that, and that ties to another rule that we'll get to here um, in a moment, but, but I was going to share another story, but I'll just wait until we get to that rule. Cause it, <laughs> we're skipping rules around here. To my job. I know, I know. <laughs> we're getting out of order. Um, all right. We're not out of order yet though. So the next rule, rule six, um, actually it's this rule. So perfect. Um, set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. So one of the very first Bible verses that I ever, that really ever resonated with me when I went to that Lutheran junior high school, um, because it, it was so bizarre because I didn't I wasn't familiar with the kind of metaphorical language of the Bible at that point yet because I was it, was it was all new to me. And it was it's from the book of James. and I don't remember the verse name, you know, number and, and all that. But it's uh, it's very famous. It's remove the log from your own eye before before you point out the speck in your brother's eye. And at the time, I thought it was really crazy because I was like, how would there be a log in your eye? And, you know, dumb kid. But but anyway, but this is exactly exactly what the set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world is exactly what it's speaking to, which is exactly what you were just speaking to, which is before you want to insist that everything is, is wrong and everyone's out to get you like, cool, but are you fixing all your own problems? And the answer to that is probably no. So then the next statement is like, well then shut up and get back to work. Like get back yeah. into working on Let's you. Start you know? there. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I, um, it's, it's amazing to me, you know, I find myself in conversations like everyone with their friends and family and, and not that people are coming to me for advice. I don't mean that at all, but just, we talk about our problems and then, you know, you make suggestions again, just well, as do. As you are a podcaster putting your message out there, I know people are coming to you for advice, but, and I know people are seeking out your opinion and your, um, your feedback because sure. of who you are and what you're doing for what that's worth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I, what I just mean is that I don't, I don't, I just, I don't tell the story as like, Oh, I'm, you know, here I am bestowing waxing pontificating, yeah, no. waxing poetic or whatever. <laughs> not that it's not that it's just a normal conversation. Yeah, but anyway, absolutely. I will give advice to someone and it is so, so remarkable to me how often I will give someone advice on whatever the situation is. And then I'll think about it later. And it's like, man, that was a mirror. Like whatever I told them to do, whatever I told them they should think about, I should have been in the mirror saying these things because that applies to me directly. And it's, I mean, it's crazy <laughs> how relevant that is. And again, to me, that's, that's exactly this rule all over again. Uh, get me well, right. and a lot of times it's real easy for us to identify the problems that others are dealing with. Yeah. But then like to, for us to put that 
I self-identify can be really challenging. That can be tough for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I'll, there'll be someone, maybe someone's like afraid to start something and I'll tell them like, Oh, we'll just get out there. And you know, it, what we've been saying, you know, roll your shoulders back, stick your chin out, you know, you'll be good. And then it's like, I'll, I'll find something where I'm not doing that. Yeah. And it's like, man, well, I just hear that. The one thing I think it talks about it in this chapter. I'm pretty sure it does. Is it, is it's, how do you start that process or how do you begin to put your own house in order? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's really easy to, to call out and criticize or whatnot, but it starts with those little things. I think he refers to, it's like, just start with making your bed. Just for the first thing you do when you get out of bed in the morning, just make your bed, just put that one little thing in order. And the other thing he points out that that really resonates with me. And I think it's something that we can all do with just a little bit of self-reflection. It's just like take a minute or two at the end of the day or at night or whatever, whenever you've got some quiet time to yourself and ask yourself, honestly, what's the one or two things that I'm actively doing today and every day that's sabotaging my bigger dreams and success? Like what's just, just one, maybe two at the most. But like, if you really reflect that there's, there's some daily habit, there's some daily habit or some kind of daily behavior that, is keeping you from realizing your dreams, right? It's keeping you from realizing your full potential and, you know, just start there, just take that one thing and see what you can do with that. And, you know, over time and through some self-reflection, you can, you can really see some remarkable change in a really short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very important lesson. Um, And, you know, in this chapter, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's this one. He, he actually goes through and kind of explains um, the worldview of the Columbine murderers mm-hmm. uh, and talks about how whenever you want, whenever you're not interested in, in worrying about yourself and instead only want to put the criticism out in the world, that's, that's kind of the, the dare I call it logical, but that's the conclusion is, is these mass murderers and these mass shootings and stuff is it's, it's because people are so convinced that, that the world is what is wrong and that it's not their responsibility. And it's like, that's where it goes. Um, and obviously there are many reasons and I'm not trying to paint a broad brush on that subject, but the the point just being that, like, I thought it was really cool that he was willing to go and explain what the, the kind of the dark side outcome of that is. Yeah. Uh, Well, what I, what I liked that he also did was he also took it to the other extreme and talked about the other side of that with Solzhenitsyn. Mm-hmm. Or if I can pronounce his name right, with the Gulag Archipelago. Yeah. And, and this guy was just, I mean, he was just, he's thrown in the Gulags and, and just completely taken advantage of and, and like ruined his life. I mean, he lost decades of his life through this experience. And when he got through with it all, instead of being bitter and hateful and resentful, like the uh, Columbine shooters, it was like he took that moment of self-reflection and said, well, what did I do to contribute towards these set of circumstances? What as as wronged as he was, as screwed over and, and taken advantage of, and all these horrible things that happened to him, at the end of all of it, he was self-reflecting on, well, what role did I play? What yeah. was my involvement? And and he realized that there were some things that he did foolishly early on in support of communism and in support of the cause and everything else that directly led to the result of, of his consequence, like some of these horrible things happening. And, you know, when you can have that kind of perspective, when, you know, clearly there were things out of his control and that weren't his doing, 
Um, that's pretty powerful, man. Yeah. So again, I'm going to go off the rails a little bit. Uh, this is going to be a four hour episode. I'm sorry, man. But um, <laughs> it, it, I think I've even shared this with you before, but it, it's, it, this is just, it's exactly this idea that I I've been, been thinking about. And again, none of this is original to me. So I'm not claiming any of these are original thoughts. It's, it's, it's from other, other places, but it's a common idea this this like metaphor with the hand where whenever you point your finger at someone right there's there's one pointing out and there's three pointing back and and there's this it's this idea of like exactly what we're talking about like yeah you can point at something else but but it comes back to you well i've actually really been thinking about that a lot and i think that that the whole thing is true with the hand so you've got the one finger that points out well that finger to me represents blame and I don't think that blame is unimportant. I think that blame can help you identify the cause of, of a situation, which could be important for avoiding it in the future or mitigating it or whatever. I think the three fingers pointing back represent responsibility. And so the the finger, the finger that points out does not invalidate the three pointing back, but the three pointing back don't invalidate the one pointing out either. They're both true simultaneously. And that truth is, is that regardless of the blame and it might be external or maybe you end up pointing it back at yourself and it's internal whatever identify the blame great that's part of it but the other part of it is responsibility and the truth is is that no matter where the blame goes the responsibility is to each individual to make it as as good as they can and that's not fair sometimes and that's not ideal sometimes but it's it's kind of like the hierarchy thing we talked about at the very beginning whether or not you want to like it it's true right? So again, regardless of where the blame is, and I'm not saying that there are not real victims and I'm not trying to do any of that. At the end of the day, though, for, for a person's own life, it's their own responsibility. And I think that that might be the, and again, this is me getting kind of weird, but I, I think I've been thinking about it, man. And like, I kind of think that it might be the most important lesson for um, people to kind of transcend, whether that be spiritually transcend or just transcend the circumstances they find themselves in in the moment understanding that 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 one out fine but three back in that personal responsibility might be the most important thing for human transcendence so important that it's built into our very bodies because it's built into our hand now Mm -hmm. some people of course unfortunately may not have hands or may have had accidents or something to prevent it but assuming that you have hands and fingers that lesson is there no matter what language you speak, no matter what culture you come from, no matter what religious text you read, that lesson is there. And again, I realize that's kind of hippie and I'm not an ancient aliens guy or something. And it kind of sounds like that, but man, it, it's there. And it's, again, I don't mean to go on and on, but it is. Well, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's simplistic. It's beautiful. And I love the ratio. Yeah. I love the It's one going out but it's three coming back. So it's like, yeah, there are always going to be circumstances. Like, you know, it's like the two, the two guys uh, whose dad was an alcoholic. One grows up and never ends up touching a drink of alcohol his whole life. The other guy ends up becoming an alcoholic. It's like, they both came from the same set of circumstances, Right. but it's like those three inwardly reflecting views. It's like, what are you going to do with those? That's how you choose to handle, how you choose to react. Another book I'll just throw out there that Victor Frankl, um, what is that? The man's search for meaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about perspective, mm-hmm. and man, it is just—you know—it's just pretty powerful stuff, and it and it defines this characteristic beautifully.
Rule seven, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Um, this one really is about the idea of, of sacrifice. And, and I, I love this, that, you know, there's throughout my life, I've always heard all these different things that people will cite for like what separates us from the animals. Right. And it might be, you know, some people are like, Oh, it's cause we have thumbs or, Oh, we have souls or, Oh, we, whatever thing it is. And, and Jordan Peterson's idea is that it's, it's the idea of sacrifice that we're the only creatures that understand that if I forego something today, I can make tomorrow better. And that that's not an innately, uh, an innate mammal trait, right? Delayed like, gratification. Yes. Um, and really that like, you know, uh, the, the Christian story. And again, I'm not trying to reduce anyone's faith or religion to into something objective, but, but anyway, but, but objectively the Christian story is that it's, it's just a giant metaphor of sacrifice and the ultimate sacrifice, right. Being the son eventually, um, Abraham and Isaac. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then in the new Testament again, obviously with Jesus, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, but anyway, I just, I thought that that was a really, really powerful chapter. And I thought that that lesson in sacrifice and the idea that like, we're kind of always, you're, we're always having to negotiate with like, what are we willing to sacrifice now for the future? Um, and yeah, I just, like I said, I thought it was really powerful. Well, the one cool thing about this chapter is with, despite all the Christian and biblical references, this one starts off with life is suffering. And it's actually, that's the definition of religion according to, or that's like the Buddhist definition of life is yeah. life is suffering. And um, I think this kind of feeds back into what we were talking about before. It's like everybody has it hard and life is going to be hard and it's going to be unfair. And that's part of the experience. And you just need to know and understand that going into it. Um, but uh, and this kind of feeds back into what we were talking about before with uh, those those little things. Those little attention to details matter. And I think this is where when you know what to go after that's meaningful, when you have some when you're going after something that's in that longer game, then you do all these little habits along the way. It's like for like a, to be a master podcaster, to be Joe Rogan. What did Joe Rogan do? Right. He put out a podcast every single week, week after week year after year for a decade yeah that's right. what he did right right so if yeah. you want to be joe rogan go do that <laughs> right and then come talk to me you know yeah, I mean, joe rogan probably hit the the what i would say like the i don't know i have no idea actually when, when the numbers scaled i became aware of joe rogan in probably like 2014 or 2015 mm -hmm. um and heard other people talking about it just real casually within a, a year or two of that but yeah, he didn't start his podcast in 2014. He started it in like 07. Like yeah. <laughs> you probably stumbled onto him around episode 700, 800, right. something like that. Right, right. I've got 70. <laughs> I think I got a little ways to go before I need to start comparing myself to Joe Rogan. You know? exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. So. No, it, and and tying it back to that the 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 rule from earlier: compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not someone else today. Right, same thing. Um, but if you're, but if you do that for ten years, and you yep. go back and you listen, and you try to get a little bit better guest, and you try to do a little bit better interview, and you try to come up with a little bit better question, 
And you do that over and over and over and over. And then the next thing you know, you're getting a hundred million dollar check from Spotify. <laughs> Step one, make podcast. <laughs> Step yeah. two, record with Nate. Step four, profit. Step yeah. three, eh, we'll figure it out. Payday. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the other aspect that, that he demonstrates in this book that I think it's really worth talking about, like I, I talk about endurance sports and I always say like, you know, everybody should run a marathon, but really it's, it's not a marathon. It's a series of sprints. Mm. It's not just one game. The game of life is not just one game. It's a series of games. And so it's like, you don't just win the one game, take your ball and go home. You have to learn how to play a game and then win or lose and play another game and play another game and still make people still have people that want to play with you. Right. Because if you go into the game and you dominate every single game and you you don't make it fun for everybody else. Well, guess what? Nobody's going to want to keep playing the game. Right. So that's a huge perspective. Again, when you're talking about that long-term vision, that long-term plan, you know, it's like how you play the game matters. It's not just about whether or not you win or lose how you play it it, in the long term. It matters. Right. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an excellent point. Um, well, did you have anything else on that one? I was going to move on to the next rule, but I don't want to. We, we we covered the delayed gratification stuff. That was really only the part I had. So, I mean, we talked about that with the APE study that they did. So I think we're good. Cool. So next rule is tell the truth or at least don't lie. Mm-hmm. Um. So th- th- this was so interesting to me. I had a conversation with a friend of mine, I mean, months ago now. Um, and he was talking about this idea about how about how living living honestly um is just so unburdened and that living living in truth is just a just such a healthier place to be and not even because you're you're trying to to keep track of lies or, i mean all of that still is is certainly you know applicable but but just that it's just you, you, it's just it's just true it's just real it's just honest and i got to thinking about it and i think and, and so this ties back to something that, that you talked about earlier with meditation. Um, Cause I know you've got that, that guided med- meditation through, through your show. Um, I think that the reason that meditation is so powerful is because it's, it's a, it's a literal physical practice of living in the truth because meditation is all about being present and being in the moment. And the, the truth is that we don't live in the past cause it's already over and we don't live in the future because it hasn't happened yet, right? I mean, that's the, the definition of it. So the real honest way to, to exist would be to be present. Because if you're trying to, to litigate the past or, or control the future, you're not really being honest because you can't do either of those things. All you can do is be in the moment. And so by meditating, we practice getting in them in the moment that way. And I think that it practices living honestly in the most kind of fundamental way that that can be does that make sense at all uh, it makes perfect sense well and and what's the result of doing that what i think what i love is what's the end result when you it's kind of like with all these principles when you're doing the right thing when you're being that good person you know you, you don't have to worry about the blackmail you don't have to worry about the the late night phone call from the person you don't want to hear from you don't have to worry about all these 
things happening because you're not living that life. You're not putting right. yourself in those situations. You're not, you know, I'll, I'll share a little personal uh, piece here. You know, I'm going through a divorce right now and, and going through some real personal struggles in my relationship with, with my wife. And, um, you know, as a lot of the threats and the, you know, the, the accusations that have kind of gone back and forth, you know, having done the right thing and made the right decision year after year, day after day, doing, doing the, you know, taking steps to be the best dad and husband I can be, you know, it, a lot of times it hurt. A lot of times it sucked at the time. A lot of times I could have gone a different way, but now when, you know, shit's hitting the fan, so to speak, all those occasions are paying off. Right. All, the, all that time of all that sacrifice now I get to reap the benefit from that. Now I've actually put myself in a position to, to, to be really well off to, you know, to really reap the benefit from, from doing all that hard work, from making all those little right decisions along the way, you know? Yeah. No, that's powerful, man. That's powerful. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think it's, it's easy to, to get caught up in, um, in lying, the, the problem is, is that when, when a person, and I'll, again, I'll say it for myself, you know, if I've been at points in time in my life where I'm lying about something and he speaks to this, the problem becomes that eventually you start, and I say you, I started to believe those lies, even though I know they're lies, right? They're and, rationalized. Yeah. And so then, man, then, then it all crumbles, right? Because now now there's no ground. You know what I mean? Now there's no bottom. Now there's, there's nowhere to to get. And you're trying to live to an expectation that wasn't real to begin with. You know, that's, you know, a false expectation kind of thing. Right. Right. Now you're, now you're presenting a false front. Yeah. I mean, it just, well, yeah, it it goes back to the old golden rule. Like you're never going to be worse off telling the truth. You're never going to regret telling it like it is. Right. Now, yep. with that being said, you know, telling your wife she looks ugly in that dress, that's a different story. Yeah, there's, there's certain <laughs> levels to be said for that. But um, but, but I mean, why do we lie? Why do we lie to ourselves? More times than not, it's, a, it's the ego. It's our ego stepping in and trying to make ourselves either into something or not, or we're trying to justify or, you know, make it all seem relevant or okay or whatever. When, if we can put that ego aside then we can allow for a lot of honesty. And I'd, I'd reference it to that, like getting outside your comfort zone. If you yeah. can put the ego aside and step outside your comfort zone, then it does, you don't care if you fail. You don't care if you make a fool out of yourself. You don't care if it doesn't work out right. Then, then that opens you up for the possibility for real growth. Yeah. Well, and I think it, I think it ties back into the set your, set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Like, are you being honest with, yourself about what you could be changing? Are you being honest with yourself about what your responsibility in whatever scenario is? And if you are, then that will probably lead to you taking action in that way, which then gets you setting your house in perfect order. But if you're not willing to be honest with yourself about those things, again, even if it's not a malicious lie or or where you're trying to, you know, extract money from someone, or I don't know, I don't know what the the scenario is, but it doesn't, it's still it's still not living honestly. And so it still leads to, to more negative outcomes. Well, and at the end of the day, it's why Jordan Peterson 
is so appealing to us because mm -hmm. he's speaking these truths. And yep. what is it that, why is it him sharing these truths that resonate so much with us? It's because the precise and exact use of words. He's choosing his words carefully. Part of telling the truth or not lying is choosing your words carefully, choosing your language appropriately. And I think yep. that that's what makes him so appealing to all of us. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, next one, next rule here. We're on rule number nine, by the way, for anyone who's who's wanting to keep count. So we're we're coming on the home stretch. We're coming on the home stretch. Hang in there, guys. We're making it. <laughs> uh, assume the person you are listening to might know something you don't, um, even I, when they're an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's maybe my even, little hashtag to go with it. Maybe even especially when they're an idiot, because th that might be the biggest opportunity to learn. Because you. you the, the natural inclination is just to reject it out of hand and not see anything from it. Um, I, you know, to me, I, I just, you know, and, and somewhat obviously, but it just, it, it speaks to being humble and it speaks to the idea of there always being more to learn. You know, in this chapter, he talks about Socrates and, and about the way that Socrates kind of, you know, ended. Um, mm. And it, but it's all about, it's all about being humble and understanding that there's something more to learn. And that if there wasn't, then your life would be perfect. Then you would have, then you would be, you'd be, you'd be, there'd be no, no problem ever. So unless that's the case, which it certainly is not, there's probably something else to learn. Um, and, and it's, it's invaluable to be humble enough to, to recognize that. Yeah. Well, and I, I struggle with the humble part sometimes for sure. Um, but I'll tell you a little personal anecdote there. I had a boss, um, that, <laughs> Yeah, God bless him. I really just thought he was an idiot. And and, mm -hmm. and when I was reading this book um, and, and reflecting back on him, it was like, because at that time I did have that mindset. Like this guy has, there's something I can learn from this guy. There's something to be gained. And I was really struggling with this one in particular. Like just, there just wasn't a whole lot to offer, you know, there just was, really, and, but and so at the end of the day, like I, what I came to realize was like, well, maybe he, what I have to learn from him is how to deal with an idiot how to put yourself in a position where you can be humble enough to you know go through the motions of being around somebody that you know that doesn't have a whole lot to offer you or whatever and that, and that sounds very again very cocky very e egotistical but like and sometimes like if you can't find anything else go with that you know <laughs> at least you know at least it's yeah. in the right mindset i mean you know i had a, a manager at one point that i very strongly disliked and you know, I remember one time he he uh, invited me into his office for a meeting. So I go and I sit across from him and he, you know, he's got a laptop in front of him. And not only is he not looking at me, he'll ask me a question and then I'm responding. Not only is he not looking at me, I'm looking at him while I'm responding to him and he's staring at the computer screen and typing like he's he's not even like halfway paying it like he's actively engaged in another conversation and it was everything i had to just to i mean not like i was going to hit him or something but just to be not be like dude if you don't want to talk to me like that's fine but can i not sit in the room and talk to to a wall because this is right. crazy but you know so what did i learn from that well i learned very very acutely how it feels to be dismissed by someone that way so, and now I have no, you know, I'm not trying to, to climb the management ladder or something. So I don't know when I'll be in that exact scenario, 
but I know that I will never do that to someone else. Right. I won't treat them. You know how it made you feel. I don't think if you were to ask him, I don't think he, he wasn't trying to hurt me. You know what I mean? It's not like he was going out of his way to like, Oh, I'm going to show him his place. He was, I'm sure it was something he wasn't even thinking about, but it's like, man, you got to think about it because the other person might feel entirely dismissed by something that you're not really paying attention to, which to some extent speaks to the dismissiveness of it. (laughs) But, um, but anyway, so yeah, I, I think you're right. There can be something learned, even if it's not something you want to mimic. Right. Well, and I don't really know that it really goes to it, into it that much in the book, but another aspect of that that I think is worth considering and talking about is that that self-awareness aspect and like what what do you have to teach yourself? Mm-hmm. And and I think learning to be self-aware and learning to be willing to identify where your shortcomings are and look for those and identify like, Hey, like one of the things I know I'm a loud talker. I, I talk too much. I talk too loud. I'm bullshit. So like being aware of that. And so like when I'm at a restaurant and I start getting loud and somebody's looking at me funny, like, okay, Nathan, let's take it down a notch. All right. You're being you know, like having that self-awareness allows you to learn about yourself too. Uh, yeah. You and I are, are peas in a pot on that one. I, constantly so i'll be at restaurants and i'll be telling a story or something to my table like a normal human being does and then other tables will like laugh at the punchline of the story or whatever (laughs) you know like they're clearly just in on it and and i've never had anyone get upset i mean usually they're very gracious about it but man i feel so embarrassed when that happens take it over the room man (laughs) oh man i'm such an idiot like it's so Uh... humiliating yeah, that's that's why I had to start two podcasts because I've, I've got I've got too much to say, man. Well, that's, um, we do like to talk. So the next rule is it should have been this should have been rule nine based on what you had said about rule eight. But rule 10 is be precise in your speech. Yeah, we, we were hitting this one pretty well, haven't we? <laughs> or at least I'm beating this one like a dead horse. It's it, it's super important, though, because it's something that people want to brush over it. And, you know, I found it in my own work with, with my life coach. I wanted to be dismissive of, of, you know, when I very first started talking to her, you know, I shared earlier that the biggest thing that, that's really been powerful for me is learning how to not talk negatively to myself. Well, when I very first started, it sounded corny to me, you know, when she would be like, well, you used this word, let's replace, let's, let's restructure that sentence. So you say the exact same thing, but only with positive words. And I was like, man, this feels corny. Well, turns out I was corny and wrong. And it does matter. Like all the little nuances of our language matter. Um, and and so speaking precisely, I think has huge value. And, and something he kind of talks about, which I, I like is that it, it, it it's, it's almost like by being precise in your speech and saying what you think or, or, or can articulate it in that moment allows you to kind of create a hypothesis like you would for a scientific experiment. And now you can test it and maybe you're totally wrong, but at least you know what you're totally wrong about. Whereas when a person doesn't want to be precise and wants to be vague and wants to blur the lines on things, well, I mean, that, maybe that's fine for your self-esteem or your ego or whatever in the moment, but it's going to be really hard to understand what needs to change when it doesn't go right because you didn't define anything. You know what I mean? So I think that the precision in speech has a, a ton of value uh, for, for a variety of reasons. 
It's one of, been one of the cool things about doing this podcast or, or becoming a podcaster, that process is you learn to churn through a lot of that, like, and get to the meat. Like, uh, I've had some of these interviews where people are, you know, they'll talk for 45 minutes and they haven't told me anything. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, what are we doing here? It's like when, when you can be precise in your speech and exact in your words, it, it shows a level of knowledge and a level of understanding of the material. And right. I think that when you put, and it goes back to, you know, putting in that work, you know, and again, why, why is Jordan Peterson so appealing to us? Because mm -hmm. he has literally put in 50 years of real work to yeah. know this material. And, and he'll be the first to tell you, I, I know the material. I've read it. I've put in the work. I've, I know it backwards and forwards. And that's, that's something I've tried to emulate with, with a lot of the reading that I did. I want to make sure that I know the material. I want to be able to call it up on demand. I want to be able to quote it. I want to be able to cite it, source it. And if you can do that, then you, at least you come across. I might be an idiot, but at least I can come across like I know what I'm talking about. If I can cite the source in the book and the author that goes along with it, at least it I'm good at faking it at that point. Yeah, but it's, I mean, and I, I obviously you're being, you know, you're kidding somewhat, but it's, the truth is, is that you really can't fake it because to be precise means to be thoughtful and you can't fake having taken the time to be thoughtful about something. You can't you know? think thoughtful. That's a right. beautiful quote. We need to, <laughs> that one. you can't think thoughtful. Right. You can't fake thought. Right. Yeah. yeah. Third time's a trap. <laughs> well, it's not on the billboard yet, so, or the bumper sticker yet, so we're good. do not bother children when they are skateboarding um this is one of my favorites yeah well then please go go ahead start start kick us off so i i come from a, a skating background i, I got right. to i when i graduated high school a buddy and i took off to in a his nissan Sentra and drove to california to go do what was ultimately became the x games and a couple of other things and um so you know getting kicked out of skate spots it was a regular occurrence for us and you know and I, and I still catch some grief about the whole helmet thing from time to time with some of my older wiser friends um but i don't do it, a lot of the crazy stuff that i used to do then but um i love the idea behind it because it resonated so much with me but the idea is that giving the kids and young men in particular, that freedom to get out there, that freedom to put their life at risk. We're designed, again, this is all biological stuff. We're designed to take these risks. We're designed, teenage boys are mental, are literally designed to do stupid stuff. 
Right. They just are. They just, that's how their brain works. I've had two teenage sons and I'm telling you, that's just <laughs> how it is, man. They're just idiots when it gets to be that age and they're supposed to be there. But in going through that inherent risk process, they learn to test the boundaries. They learn their capabilities. They learn to explore what they're capable of. They learn to explore what they're good at. You know, it's like you that those are life defining moments when you provide that freedom. When you take that away, then you're stifling that development. You're limiting their potential. You're limiting what they're capable of becoming when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I was that, that is one of the things I was going to say about this chapter is this chapter. He definitely does speak or, or direct it more towards young boys, young men. Um but again, I'll, I'll say that I don't think it only applies there. I think that it's true across the board that people build confidence by taking risks and then learning to deal with the outcome, whether the risk was a success or a failure. That's what that, that's what building confidence is, no matter who you are. Right. Um, so, well, again, I, oh, go ahead. Well, I would no, no, finish your point. And I'll, I'll give you a flip side to it, too. I was just simply going to say that while I don't think that it's in any way wrong that he directs it towards young men or, or, or young boys in this this chapter, I didn't take any issue with it. I just simply think that the lesson is applicable across the board, and honestly, not just to young people either. So it's not just a gender thing, but also regardless of age. Again, and, and now it goes back to all, which is why the book is so good, because it builds on itself. But it goes back to all the stuff we've talked about from the beginning, even the very first, which is like, People have to be able to roll their shoulders back, stick their chest out, put their chin up and try stuff. And sometimes they fall flat on their face and that's okay too. But that's part of the, that's part of growing. That's part of, of, of becoming more. Well, and if you want to look at the slightly more feminine perspective of it, it it's kind of the Rapunzel story mm. where the mom has to learn how to, let, or the the wicked stepmom or whatever she is has to let the the daughter free. She has to let her cut that hair. So a lot of this, yeah, the the young man needs to be able to explore his boundaries, or the young person, females right. as well. They both need to be able to explore those boundaries. But the parent, the mother figure, also has to go through that letting go process. You know, we have a mutual friend, Carolyn Owens. That's yep. an amazing woman and an incredible, she's a retired Navy, what, a commander in the Navy. I mean, just done some incredible yeah. things. And she has, she this is crazy. No, offense. Know, the, the fact that she takes my phone calls still is wonderful. She's but, such um, a better person than I am. <laughs> but the reason why is because, you know, she's raised this amazing young man that is yep. now beginning to spread his wings. He's off at college doing his stuff or whatever. And, it's interesting to watch her struggle through some of those experiences of, you know, cutting those apron strings and letting him cut loose and to hear her teaching him how to buy fruit as a grown adult. You know, it's kind of right. And, and like how often that she wants to go visit and, you know, she's really having to force herself to, you know, <laughs> install some of these boundaries so she doesn't end up, you know, because because what's the alternative what happens if she doesn't do that well right. next thing you know she you know that's her that's her husband you know that's she's she's essentially married to her son and you know that right. you've got that whole you know crazy dynamic going so yeah so from the, the from the female perspective it's also learning to let go and to and to allow your child that freedom to to grow and to become their own person 
Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, no, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Or, or maybe it's for the dad who needs to let the daughter go on the prom date and not bring a shotgun to the front door. You know what I mean? Like absolutely someone dude, and you're going to have to let it go. I, I do not have the, the daughter, but I have been the boy met with the, the shotgun at the door. You know what I mean? So, Hey, and as a dad of three daughters, you know, that's, that's the space I live in. You know, you're constantly in that, in that scared boat. Hey, and living in Georgia, God bless our governor. He's actually turned out to be a pretty decent guy, but one of his campaign ads was him sitting on the front porch talking about dating my daughter with this shotgun. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like so cliche. It was ridiculous, but, right. um, but yeah, yeah. That to your point, that that's probably even harder. Like you know, letting that daughter have the freedom to, right. you know, to be hurt by a man. You know, to be have her right. feelings hurt, to have to be heartbroken. I, yep. That that's a that's what I'm not looking forward to. Right, right, yeah. No, I get it. And, and I, I will. I do just want to say very quickly, and I don't even think this is really in <laughs> the chapter or his point. <laughs> But, we're going but, off kilter here <laughs> we're really crazy now but no the the don't do not bother children when skateboarding i mean his point is largely what we've been talking about which no, is absolutely allow people to take risks allow people to to do things that are frankly dangerous and 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 understand that that's part of their development um and another thing though is like don't worry about stopping people from doing petty shit that doesn't affect you you know what i mean like if the kid's skateboarding let him skate, go back inside. Like you don't Mind have your to business. Right. Exactly. He doesn't really go down that road very much, but I did want to add, I did. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I did want to add a mind your business. <laughs> Little Karen. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't even think about Karen, but yes, yes. Yeah. This is an anti Karen chapter as well, even though it's not. Yeah. Um, all right. well, and I can tell you, if you are going to be one of those Karens or one of those obnoxious people, you're going to end up in a skate video getting made fun of. So just fair warning, you know, and, and you'll probably never know about it, but you'll be there. Right. Right. Uh, all right. Well, we are finally to the last rule. Um, I love this one just because of how silly it is, but it's a, a, a yet again, an excellent point. So the point is not silly. And that is pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. Um. I'm more of a dog guy uh, than a cat guy, I will say. Um, and so is he, for the record. Right, right. But but really, it's not about dogs and cats. It's it, you know the 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 real point is that, especially you know if you go and listen to or read this book, it is not <laughs> the, the the majority of the book is not these bullet points that we're going through. It's a lot of human history, which is a lot of really dark and messed up stuff. Um, and so the, the, I mean, like we, you said earlier, which is again, is also in the book, but the, the, the life is suffering kind of thing. It's like, there's a lot to be, um, scared, frightened, dismayed, whatever about, but there's also a lot of joy in the world. And sometimes it's in something really tiny and stupid, like petting a random cat that you encounter on the street or seeing, you know, I have little kids that live across the street from me three little boys that i think are probably between like four and eight you know what i mean they're all real little and they're all real loud and honestly like it's kind of nice when i go on the walk and i hear them out there screaming and laughing and you know what i mean like enjoy it because they're not going to yeah. be that age forever and they're not my kids and i don't even know them that way so it's not it's not like that but just 
I'm not going to, ha- I mean, assuming I continue to live here, I'm not going to have children playing on that corner forever because they're going to grow up. You know what I mean? Like, enjoy Just it. Just like we said before, it's those little things. And in yeah. this case, it's not the doing the little things that are that are hard work. It's It's appreciating the little things. You know, one of the big things that I preach about on my podcast and that um, we talk about in the Keys of Great is like this lifestyle by design. And part of that is like, getting out in the woods, connecting with nature, hearing the little squirrel squirreling around over there in the, in the underbrush, you know, catching the sight of the deer, you know, as they're prancing through the woods, you know, having those little moments add value to your day, you know, yeah. like having those little moments with your children, having those moments to pause and reflect, you know, you talked earlier about the meditation and my three habits in 30 minutes, that morning routine thing. Um, Part of that morning routine is it's called prayer, but it's not really prayer. It's it's actually doing a little bit of that meditation that we talked about. But the other part is giving thanks, mm-hmm. taking, you know, three to five minutes and just sitting there and thinking about all the different things that we have to be thankful for that you specifically have to be thankful for, not just the house, not just the relationship or the roof over your head, the the warm food in your belly, all that, but the little things. And like when, and if you, if you allow yourself that full five minutes, you know, like even set a timer and don't stop thinking about things you're thankful for until that five minutes is up, you know, you got to go somewhere with that five minutes. Right. You, you run out of the easy stuff. Right. And, and once you run out of the easy stuff, that's when it gets good. That's right. when you can really like, oh, man, like there's some real reflection going on there. At least that's been the case for me. And it's been one. It's been really powerful for me. I've been really no, I think, it. I think that's an awesome practice. I I um, I I in my daily journal. I do uh, three things I'm grateful for. And then and then three things I'm proud of myself for. For so a little internal gratitude and a little external gratitude. Ah, I love that. But every day I can't reuse one that I've already used in that week. So kind of the same idea that you're going for where it's like, you know, on Monday, I usually write that I'm grateful for my parents and my house and you know what I mean? But then easy stuff. Yeah. 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 I gotta, I mean, I gotta get them in there. Then they still, <laughs> right. they still matter. Yeah. They're still right. important. Right. Then yeah. Once I get to, you know, Wednesday or something, it's like, well, I already wrote those. So now I've got to seek, you know, like what you're talking about. So I think yeah. there's that, I mean, that was something my coach suggested to me and, and it, it was really, really helpful for me to, to, because there are days when you're going to feel like, man, everything sucks. And it's like, nah, it doesn't like it, maybe even 99% of it sucks today, but there's something, there's something. Yeah. So was there anything else that, that you wanted to cover here, man? I mean, we've, we've gone through the 12 rules. Um, you know, we talked, talked there at the end about that last one, the, the pet a cat, which I, again, I just love that that's a, one of the rules, but um, again, I just want to stress to the listener it's a it it's one of the most fascinating things that i've i've gone through like while i went through the audiobook i'm actually considering going and getting the print copy so that i can more easily kind of skip to a certain spot you know what i mean because in the audiobook it's a little harder to hone in on an exact segment if you will of the book you know like i can go to a certain chapter but then finding where on the track he says whatever is is a little more challenging in the audiobook 
Well, yeah, it was actually a lifesaver for me because thankfully I had uh, my copy already pretty well written up. Um, it was one of the practices I started of when I'm reading a book. And this book actually started me on the practice of actually writing in the book that I'm in. So yeah. it kind of gave me a little uh, set of highlights uh, to, to work off of. Um, so on that note, as we're wrapping up, I just wanted to, if you have been listening to this podcast and you stuck around this long and stayed for this duration of this whole conversation i want to reward you so um if you are still listening and you are interested in this book go to walker's itunes channel leave him a review take a screenshot of it and then dm that to him in some form or fashion however you want to get to him on instagram whatever the first person that does that I'll sign my copy and mail it to you with, it is marked up and I've hit some highlights, whatever, but um, I'll, I'll send that to you and anyone else that leaves Walker a review on iTunes for the walk show podcast. Um, that's not the first one. Uh, what if Walker lets me know, we'll send you an e-copy or a digital copy of the book as well. Wow. Well, that's incredibly generous. And that is something that we had not discussed ahead of time at all, man. That's I'm, I'm very, flattered for you to offer that to the listeners so thank that you. wasn't what my brilliant point that i completely forgot but it, it's something <laughs> that i had been thinking about and i wanted to throw it out there to you guys and on, on the last note as we plug jordan peterson um if you're interested in what he's doing check out his youtube content for sure if you're not a big mm -hmm. reader um i encourage you to own a print copy of the everyone to own a print copy of this book but um most importantly if you're trying to figure out some things in your life Jordan Peterson has a self-authoring program yep. and it's online. It's very cheap. I think it's like 20 bucks or something ridiculously cheap like that. It's all self-guided. You do have to put in the work. It's not easy. And, and to be honest with you, I haven't finished going through it. I started it in, with what I'm doing with my book, it kind of overlapped a lot. So it's kind of on hold for me right now, but it's a beautiful program. It's designed and brought to you by Jordan Peterson. So if you like him, if you want to support what he's doing, um, check out that program. And it's a great guide to help you answer a lot of the questions that are posed in this book. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that entirely. I actually, did purchase the self-authoring program probably in like 2016 maybe um yeah did not did not complete it but uh it's a lot of work it's not easy it well and it, it was one of those things where i mean if i had found it this year which honestly i just didn't even remember it until you brought it up but if i had found it this year it probably would have been super valuable to me but it's one of those things where the, the teacher will arrive when the student is, is ready kind of thing. You know what I mean? I didn't say well, that right. And remember when you bought it in 2016, you still have access to it now. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. You that's can go true. back to it. Those emails and find it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, Nate Garrison, man, it's so generous of you to come on the show and, and spend your time talking about this with me. I'm really, really grateful that you did. Um, obviously we're talking about this, this, this book the whole time, but I do, uh, and, and you've been on the show before, but I, I want to, again, make sure people know where to find your podcast um, and where to find find you at. So so please, by all means, uh, share with the listeners where they'd find you. Well, first, thank you for the platform. Thanks for being on the show. I love our conversations because I really feel like we get to get it all out there, man. Like a lot of times I've been doing some other podcasts lately and a lot of times, man, it goes quick and you don't get to hit everything you want to and. Man, if we left anything on the table now, it probably doesn't need to be talked about. So thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for having me on the show again. I love 
getting together with you. If you want to know more about me, what I'm doing, it's the Extraordinary Podcast. Uh, that's what it is on Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you want to learn more about my personal development program, it's Eight Keys to Great. And that's the number eight keys, the number two, and then the word great, either .com or .net. If you go to that website, you can find the Eight Keys program, the process, and it is all self-guided just like Jordan Peterson's program. And it is lengthy like his is, and it's not easy like his is. So there's a lot of similarities there. Um, you can find the podcast there. You can find blog posts. And I do have some other resources and some other content that hopefully you might find appealing, useful, or anything like that. Um, always encourage everyone to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Nate Garrison. Extraordinary podcast is what it is. We'll have links in the show notes for that as well. Uh, appreciate your time, man. All right, cool. And don't forget to leave that uh, review for Walker on iTunes, and I'll send that book out as soon as he lets me know who won it. Perfect.
volcano on the mountainside Show the deep end and baggage in tow On the will to stay in the shrine Burning planks of a bridge giving way Tear the fabric of time Gravity squeeze released in a way Sail breach the other side guys well that's going to do it for the show today thank you so much again to nate garrison for stopping by to talk about 12 rules for life again i will be keeping an eye out on those itunes reviews and i will let nate know who is deserving of a copy so thank you again for nate for that offer also i want to thank misha zarens for the music in today's episode and of course last but not least thank you listener for listening to the episode i also want to invite you to check out my other podcast pick up your sticks which is co-hosted by myself and brett lindley Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games where we talk about why gaming matters. Pick Up Your Sticks is available on all podcast platforms, so if you are listening to The Walk Show somewhere, you should be able to listen to Pick Up Your Sticks there as well. Again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Stay up. Stay up.